This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. It is my pleasure to have you here. Anna, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Yeah, no, Jason and I and yourself have had a great opportunity to have a lot of fun just before we hit record. And it's funny because that never makes it. Uh, but we always have like the before and the after are always the funniest and deepest moments. And then we go on <laughs> to the show. And it's a great story. But it's just there's just something about Schrodinger's, you know, law, like right, the uh, what is observed automatically changes it. So we hit record and it changes that. But with that said, that is the level of profound work that I see through my notes here you've been doing. So I'm very curious with my first question traditionally is, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs? Interesting. I was going to say yes and no. So my father is, yeah, and uh, but he didn't start off that way. He was like a, a research, more academic, you know, he got his PhD and then became a scientist. And then when they got divorced, went full whole hog into entrepreneurship. But at that point, I was already kind of older. So I didn't grow up in it. Got it. Okay. Mom was like a nurse, 40 freaking years, you know. <laughs> hey, all of that has an influence on the decisions you make. So given that you didn't really grow up in that, though, did it did it create a decision in you, spark a decision in you to be like, I got to go different? I got to, or was it more like, I've got to follow the path? What was that like for you? Yeah, no, I think it was in me the whole time because my favorite thing, you know, playing when I was younger was entrepreneurship. I mean, that's not the game, but it's like a market day, right? Where people come and buy your stuff. And um, when my dad got divorced, he said on the phone, I was 14 when they did. And then later on, he was like, look, you don't have a mortgage. You don't have things to take care of. You're young. You can risk. Now's the time when I was going out of college to figure out what the hell to do. I was an art major and I had like 10 interviews set up with random companies, you know, and I just didn't know whether to go the corporate route at that point necessarily. But when he said that, I was like, you know, so I went all in and started my first financial planning practice from scratch, uh, right out of school. And wow, the whole like cold calling, knocking on doors, like the whole gamut, <laughs> talking to your <laughs> Your friend's family about life insurance and, and investments and mutual funds and the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, first of all, that's a great first step. And the fact that you had that that conversation with your dad and you took it so serious, right? Because some people who are young don't take that that serious. Like, oh, yeah. And then they go off and enjoy their life or what have you. But it seemed like you, because you already had that bent early on where you loved market day and things of that nature, for you, you were like, wow, wait a minute, he's right. Uh, now, can you attribute that sort of foresight to anything? Has it just always been in you to think about things in that in those terms? I don't think I I was aware of it. It just might, but I had a pioneering level. So there's a couple of good stories. So one is 
because um, I had a double major. I was supposed to go into like graphic design and art and corporate that track. And then I came across this um, major called community environment and planning, which doesn't really tell what it is. But essentially, it's a self-run democratic major. There's no grades. You self-evaluate. You do your own projects. And so that's when I started marketing and promoting um, executive leadership coaching as a retreat for our students and just, you know, went just started from scratch and created a team and got sponsors and, again, did the whole gamut of funding and all of that. So my dad, when he, I think when he saw that, was like, she, that was the point I made the choice, actually, to forego the really cushy corporate route and just go for this, like, unknown, crazy, you know, who knows where that's going to go. For After a dream, after a vision, um, it was an organization called Inside Out Leadership I had started. So that was one one part. And then the, the clincher was when I had my first uh, job in college, not my first job, but a job in college. And I was at a corporate HR department. I'm in the elevator and uh, this guy walks in. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, why are you talking to me like that? That's kind of weird <laughs> to say in, a, in an elevator just hit me. And at the time I had two jobs. I was, I was a graphic designer working freelance and then doing this corporate HR thing. And I was like, oh, I'm just I'm just going to my second gig here. And he's like, huh. He's like, well, I can make sure that's permanent. I'm like, what? So I walk out, and I was like, who are you? And he turns. He's like, I'm the chairman. And he walks off. And uh, the next day, he fired the entire building of temp workers. And I, I, I didn't know the correlation at all. I mean, I don't think it was just set off by me, but um, my boss at the time was like, you know, the CEO has never liked temporary workers and he never had a reason to like let them all go. So I thought that, and he was the kind of guy that like, if your phone rang, all cell phones would be banned from the building kind of thing. So at that point I was like, like, screw corporate America, never going back, you know? And this was after I like went into their, their, they called it the dungeon and they had all these like termination file papers and they're like, they didn't know what to do with me because I was really hungry. And so they're like alphabetize all these boxes (laughs) and I'm like, great. But like three days later, it's like gleaming and all organized (laughs) and they're like, shit, what are we going to do with her? So anyway, that was the ending of that, the start and the end of my corporate career. Oh my God. Anyone who is in entrepreneurship, just hearing that going, you know what? That guy is exactly why all of us have decided against that path. Wow. I'm, I'm going to let Jason go in because I know he's got a thing or two he wants to say to that guy himself. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it always amazes me. And the thing about corporate, though, is most of the people that are running corporate companies, they're not the founders of the company. They're just a hired gun, right? So... They're a hired gun to go in there and everything for them is about revenue. That's it. That's all they care about. Wherever they can cut efficiencies, more revenue, because the more revenue there is in the company, the more money they make. So it's such a failed model. And, you know, corporate could learn a lot from small business by taking a lot of the same pathways as small businesses do. Um, Now, obviously the corporate landscape is far different from aspects of employees and 
you know, funding and all these other things. Right. But, but there's a lot of lessons that could be learned from the corporate landscape because it is just so I've never worked a corporate job, so I don't really know, but in uh, all the horror stories I hear, I just say it's icky. (laughs) It's just an icky place to be. Right. And everybody has the same story that's very similar well i used to work for corporate and it sucked <laughs> so what did i do i figured something out and started a business there you go it's you hear it all the time and no wonder there's a perfect story right there so yeah it's funny we've yet to have anyone who said anything other than yeah something sucked and so i did something different I think that's yeah. just like the 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 automatic operational software in an entrepreneur. And and you are the quintessential of that even from an early age without you even knowing it. So yeah, I'm glad, like you said, like in a way that kind of happened for you, right? Where you were still hesitant and not necessarily sure, and you were kind of one foot in, one foot out. The minute you saw that, that was all you needed. Little did he know when he walked out of that elevator, what he did was he lost a gem because I don't know anybody else who was going to organize all those papers. You know, <laughs> <I know. laughs> Not what I need out, but it's nasty. <laughs> and uh, yeah, way to stick it to them. So then from there, uh, we know for a fact that you, that's not, that was just the beginning of your journey, right? So where are you now and how, like specifically, because I want to be able to tie that back in. What, what are you doing these days? So these days I have my own company, Soul Joy. Um, the chief energy officer and we have memberships and programs and coaching around energy management. So, you know, a lot of, we serve specifically, um, the high achiever burned out, you know, conscious yeah. business leader, but you know, they're, they're burnout's like a common thing in the hustle, hustle and grind. I'm out to make that antiquated and it, it's not sustainable. And, uh, we've all been there, I'm sure in multiple ways. So how do we actually, you know, create a solid morning routine? How do we uh, create more time freedom? And how do we really stop getting so freaking distracted and really be able to focus and stop the mind, calm that mind chatter that's going on all the time to tap into boundless energy? And so I have like a martial arts and a Qigong Tai Chi kind of background that I bring to it as well. But uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And especially... When you also factor in the fact that you, as a designer, you creative, that process in itself of being able to take something, identify the value prop, what it's supposed to symbolize and represent, uh, being being sure that there are no parts that are decorative and all of it is functional. Like I can see how all that training on top, you know, of your business bent, can and you combine martial arts into that can really put you into that. I can see how that connects now. I can see it. I can see it, can but that's also it. because I, yeah, I, I had done a Wing Chun, you know what I mean? And, and all that for many yeah. years, I, I like creative work in general, and I can see how there are certain tools that you only learn when you go into like graphic design and branding and developing proposals and what that means. Right. And then just knowing your story and how you've always had a business bent, I can see how you would step into this. Now, the, the question is, what was your first experience consulting in that, in that, in that regard? Because that had to have been an experience that led you 
here because you don't get here by accident. You have had to have had a moment where you said, wow, I can really help people get there. What was that like? Yeah. So the first time consulting, well, I mean, I, I, th- I think the first real true business was the financial advising. I had a firm called Inside Out Investing for seven years. I sold that company. Um, so I was doing more wealth management consulting and um, working uh, with high and with yeah. families in passing on the values, not the valuables, because most wealth is gone by the third generation, 90%. Um, so my first consulting, I mean, I can remember my first uh in-person appointments and you know I'm a kid out of college trying to tell people who are way older than me how to <laughs> how to save their money <laughs> it was awkward <laughs> I'm like because I've never had a family or a mortgage and I'm going to tell you how to plan your life um so after I got over that hump and, and it's awkward because you're you know you start off with your friends and family because that's, that's really who you know and <laughs> super awkward as well like hey you're my family member. Tell me about all your money, right? It's just, it, it was awkward. But um, once I made my first client in the first couple weeks, right, uh, it was a very fast and furious type of training program. So we had to pass our Series 663 within two weeks. You know, I had no background on how to do that in the past in two weeks. And so that first week we had 14 appointments, I remember. And when I made my first client the first week, was a friend, college friend, starting a Roth IRA. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm in business. Like, this can work, right? You just needed that first proof, that first client, right? That first paying client. And then after that, it grew. And I had a very large, you know, this was 20 years ago or so, but um, a, a large year of six figures. In my, in my second year, it took me a little bit. But um, I took those principles when I started. I had a kid, and then I started my second business, an event consultant in tech and um well you kind of start all over again it's like a kid right you think you know from the first kid what to do and then they're totally different <laughs> so the first client when I was off on my own doing event consulting for social impacts um that was tough yeah that's a lot of failure a lot of failure a lot of failure low cash flow and then that first client like 5,000 bucks and um, to do a tech event <clears throat> for women, that was good. But it was a lot of trust building with someone I had known earlier. And I remember sitting at the table and I didn't quite know exactly what I was going to charge even at the meeting. <laughs> and then she just like asked and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, double it, double it. Cause you're probably undervaluing yourself. And I was just like, how about 5,000? She's like, sure. And I'm like, yeah. You know, it's like, you don't know what you're doing. But that pivoted into conscious business coaching, which became conscious business, you know, event marketing coaching. And then it became energy coaching. So that was like the evolution. Got it. Got it. What's interesting is. So it was funny. You talk about when you're young, trying to give people advice and so on and so forth. Right. So I, this, I, I don't know how long ago, it wasn't that long ago. Right. I get a random phone call from somebody. It's just, it's like 19 years old and a life coach <laughs> and a life coach. Right? And I, I just kind of thought to myself, you know, <laughs> I'm 46, <laughs> retired from the military, been a lot of places in the world, good and bad, 
seen a lot of nasty stuff, a lot of good stuff. What are you possibly going to teach me? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wasn't like really rough on her or anything because she was clearly a snowflake. Um, and I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but, but I ended up hurting her feelings and I didn't even mean to, cause I just asked her what, what could you possibly teach me at this point about life? <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. She took that question offensive and she ended up hanging up on me and I was like, I good riddance. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, go pray oh, on somebody no. else, I guess. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I wasn't trying to take anything away from her, but but I think it's a was a fair question. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in that space, in that spot, right? Because mm-hmm. it isn't like there's a college degree on life, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I, the only way you really learn life is don't you kind of have to experience some of it right oh, yeah. but to learn it a little bit more um so but maybe she retooled and went after 17 year olds i don't know <laughs> we, we all on this call hope <laughs> oh wow it's funny I, I yeah i remember the first time uh i was on the phone and cut to your moment of whatever it is double it the first time i ever got on the phone quite literally the first one I remember somebody put me in touch with a life coach and they were like, okay, go ahead and see if you can get them to see the value of a podcast. And so when I jumped on the call, I just started sort of breaking down the value and they listened patiently, quite patiently. And it wasn't until the end they said, look, I'm a life coach. (laughs) And they were like 40 or something. He's like, I'm going to tell you this only once. You haven't asked me a single question since the phone call started. Now, I don't know where you thought this was going to go, but it's not going wherever it is you're thinking it's going to go. But I hope that you can take this lesson with you moving forward for whatever you do. Now, that was generous of them, right? Because they could have just been like, just clicked on me. So it's really funny to hear how entrepreneurs, because I imagine that lady that was sat across from you when you said, double it, double it in your head, was probably anticipating either, who knows, right? Whether you might have undercharged or what have you. But it's funny how an experienced entrepreneur will also watch someone who they know might not be as in the game yet as as they want to be and accept a, an offer if they make one, right? So it's really up to you to make that offer and that courage that every anyone who's experienced will respect it. Go, all right, you charged me something good. You must really believe in yourself. I've never seen any entrepreneur bat an eyelash and go, eh, unless you really, really came across as like you don't have a single idea what you're doing. So for me, the fact that she said, yeah, well, you might have undercharged. Actually, it might have been like a fifteen thousand dollar <laughs> event, and you know Jason's putting together an event right now, and I, I can only imagine what that's costing. And you're in the space of doing that, so all that organization, five k, might have been a big win that day. But looking back on it, what would you have charged? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, so dollars be a lot different, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then from there, right. That's what that's what you did there. And that was the first big moment. And thank you for sharing that. Now, what level are you operating at? Like are, are now that you're working with energy and high performers on a on a very like consistent basis, have you found that this is really where you want to stay, or is this just one of many ventures you plan? I know the question everyone asks when I share my background. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. I do find I have seven-year chapters when I look back in life where I go super, super deep um, into mastery on one thing, and then I get bored and move on to the next. Um, energy mastery, though, to me is a bigger purpose. So to answer your question, yes, because it's about global enlightenment for me. Um, that's not going to go away anytime soon. And no matter how I look, what angle, I was like, we're all going to die. And you're not going to take anything with you. It doesn't matter what wealth financially you have or relationships, your kids. I mean, even the things we're most attached to, it's all bye-bye. So what matters, right? And so to me, it's just all about consciousness and making sure that on that last breath, I'm not like, oh, shit. <laughs> but I'm actually like, I'm ready. I'm, we're good. I have no regrets. You know, I can, I can ascend to a higher, higher, higher consciousness right before I go. But yeah, that's the game wow. for me. So I turned my purpose into my passion business. It's funny. We've had, I think almost every call we had today, I had to do something with someone either being vulnerable enough to admit that they've achieved everything and it means nothing to them or someone saying, yeah, I, I, I feel like today I could leave the earth and I would have no regrets. You know, like it's, it's weird how that theme is circling. Well, I, I, sh I shouldn't be surprised at this point based on the conversations we're having. Uh, but now you're saying this is an objective you hope uh, you help uh, entrepreneurs achieve and give hope to. And so for me, yeah, I can see this as one of the highest callings because there ha there are people out there who achieve incredible wealth and it means nothing to them at the end of it. And that's probably the scariest thing is to be able to have all that and then you find out your relationship with your family or worse, your relationship with yourself is trash, right? Mm -hmm. So can you sort of explain a little bit of maybe what we should be looking for to identify whether or not we are we're you know, on, on a good path of, of developing that as entrepreneurs and since we're all ears now, right? Is there something we can point to or look at to say, hey, we might want to consider taking a step back and reflecting here? I mean, the short answer is just asking the question, are you ready to die right now? Just really cutting to the chase yeah. and I, that's hard to answer. <laughs> you actually have to picture it. And, you know, and I have days where I'm like, yep. And other days I'm like, no. You know, and I can feel the like, ooh, I got to do this, this, and that, or talk to so-and-so to feel ready, right? Um, so I use that question at the end of the day to reflect, to just put me, shore me up and be be real with myself. There's like an acronym, ALIVE, A-L-I-V, that I use also and clients use that help just make sure that you're giving yourself space to live the life true to yourself. Um, I won't go into each one, but the gist of it is <clears throat> there's allowing more yin to your yang. So a lot of times we're go, 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 going, and we have no time to actually stop and reflect and face the noise of inside. We don't want to be in silence. We don't want to hear what's on the inside. So that's just about making sure you, you actually center your business around vacations and time off first, not as it fits in, because there's never a time it's going to fit in. And then L is listening within. So that's how do you discern the noise of and the voice of your ego, desires for recognition, control, safety, and really hear your soul's voice or your true north or your true self, you know, that voice and follow that. 
even if it makes no sense sometimes. And then I is in, inspiring your soul first, which is the first thing you do in the morning, making sure that you're grounding yourself, solid morning routine with things that, you know, entrepreneurs have some sort of, I think, rhythm, but uh, is what you're doing first thing in the morning, grounding for the rest of your day. If it's not, what could be that one thing that really nourishes your soul? And then the mm-hmm. V is valuing your fears, and that's all about leaning straight into them, but actually being grateful and acknowledging all the fears for what they surface. And then E is energizing your daily flow, because we sit too damn long all the time, all day. So mm-hmm. being able to actually move <laughs> the body and circulate the energy allows you to get into that space where you can surrender and to your highest you know, potential and be able to operate so that if you die, you're ready. Yeah. It's, it, it's believable coming from you. <laughs> the, it, because you have an energy and what's the word I'm looking for? Effervescence, right? That, that, that people can listen and hear that coming through you. And if they see you even better, it, you can see that you take the time to, to indulge and, and drink some of your own Kool-Aid and, and, and to prove that, that it is, you know, and I know a few people who are like that, they, they're just like boundless energy. And I'm like, wow, you know, and it's not coming from a false place either. Um, like Jason's got the discipline in him to wake up as far as like, just like early 3am every day, nonstop. He's, he's got the routine. He knows what he's doing. And my head, I'm like, I, you know how hard it is for me to fight to wake up at like 5am, let alone like 7am is like the best I can do on a regular. I just can't, I go to sleep way too late, this and that, but I see the importance of that. And so before I go any further, I, I know that Jason's got a couple of things he wants to say on what he's just heard you break down. Well, first of all, it's just about a regimen, right? I mean, I've been doing that for 20, 28 years, to be fair. So that's programmed into my DNA at this point. <laughs> so for me, it's not like I control it. It's just like four o'clock, blink, eyes come open, day starts. That's just the way it is, right? So, um, but I don't stay up late either. I'm in bed by eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. so 8 8 30 as soon as the kids get to bed you know but uh just to kind of to 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 rewind to the regrets right in life which if you can set those things aside um it really take see i take the philosophy of uh What's his name? The singer. My way. He sings a song. My oh, way. Frank Sinatra. Frank, Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. Right. Regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. Right. So I take that philosophy because <laughs> there are things in life, no matter what, that you look back and go, eh, maybe I could have did that different. Right. Um, of course there are. You know, your kid falls down the steps. I could have been there to catch him. That's a regret, <laughs> right? I mean, it, but there again, there are too few to actually mention, right? So that's the way I approach that. And, you know, I think we all have, especially in the entrepreneurial space, entrepreneurs are wired like children, kind of, right? Because we have this... uh 
there's like, you have to have extra energy. You can't just be mediocre. There's no room for mediocre in entrepreneurship or owning a business. There's none, no place for it because mediocrity in business is failure and you can't be mediocre. That doesn't mean you always have to be exceptional, right? But there's a bar set there for sure. And that's why most people are employees, right? So um, the energy piece of that whole thing is super important in the entrepreneurial journey. And, you know, energy leads to innovation. Innovation leads to success. If you kill innovation, there is no success. So (laughs) none whatsoever. Innovation is what drives business all together from the mechanical standpoint of it, right? Is the innovative parts. So um, it's great work you're doing for sure. And my actually my partner, my CEO of my company, his company, he does the same thing you do. Energy. He, he you know, takes CEOs that are burned out, helps them and does a lot of the same things you do. Should definitely introduce you to him at some point. Yeah. Good a super stuff. event. <laughs> we'll call it a secret super squirrel. Retreat. We'll call it a secret squirrel meeting. <laughs> <laughs> on that very on that very note though, ha- have you been able to collect the transformations uh of the work that you've been doing with high performers? And does that only give you more resolve that what you're doing is exactly where you need to be? Totally. Now, now with that said, if you could go back knowing what you know now about where you've ended up and where you're planning to go, if you could go back to that moment uh, when let's say you were on three way on that call where your dad was telling you, you should just take the risk. Like you don't have, you know, you don't have a mortgage payment. You don't have kids, all that. What have you, what would you say to your younger self then? Yes, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) You really thought about that too. Yeah, would I say anything different? No, yeah. Okay, good. I mean, if there's one thing I've noticed about just overall through this conversation is there isn't uh, there isn't any hesitation in the way that you deliver information. Like, and I think that that comes with the training and the, the development that you're doing to be able to ask yourself the question, like, am I ready to die today? Like it literally has to be on that level, which I think alludes to what Jason was saying about this certain bar that is set for, for serious entrepreneurism, right. Or or entrepreneurism that's activated, if you will. Uh, There's just like this present presence that an entrepreneur has to have if they intend to not only be able to enjoy the good life, but also deliver results for the work that they're doing. And I think it's important to like point that out because they're all subtle. It's like subtle things happening in this conversation, even though you broke down alive, you know, an activity, you know, all of that in there and the the listening to the internal voice and all those things, they're real subtle. And a lot of people might be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really take a step back and listen to that because you're probably, if you did miss it, you're probably the one that's going from meeting to meeting to meeting and not finding any meaning from what you're doing. And one day you will find yourself wondering how you got to where you are and not knowing or understanding why you're there, right? So I I can really appreciate, and that's why I want to go on a really long tangent here to point out that the work you're doing is essential. The work 
that Jason's colleague is doing is essential because entrepreneurs don't know when to stop. They really don't. And I'm so grateful to know that there's somebody out there who's going, well, you know, there's a lot of problems out there. And one real problem is entrepreneur burnout. It is a real one. In fact, it's a real quiet one too. So I'm glad that you're doing something about that because it is a quiet one. I can think of a number of occasions where I'm not even doing like that many crazy things. And yet I myself, some days I'm like, man, who do I even tell that I'm tired? Would anybody even care? You, you know what I mean? Things of that nature and thinking like that. And so just want to hear your thoughts and sort of the things I just mentioned. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's quiet in how you're sharing and not having someone to really, you know, talk to about that, but it's also loud, you know, because the body never lies. And when you hit the wall, it's hit hard. Like, whoops, got cancer. Whoops, someone dies. Or, whoops, you know, it's, it's in your face. So it's either a crisis that wakes you up or else you create the crisis of how essential it is to take care of today before any crisis comes knocking at your door. And mm. um, it's, you know, people, I think, have a misnomer if you're making a big impact and you're purpose driven, then somehow the burnout's justified. I see that a lot, but now you just have a burned out do-gooder. So that also doesn't work. It's just unsustainable, right? At, from a very basic level. If you don't have a body or health, you can't do what you want to do. It's very simple. <laughs> so it is about the emptiness that one feels, but I, I, I tend to work on uh there's like three energy levels people have. And if you think of your body like a battery that's on low power and how do you maximize and optimize that body battery? Most people, I find entrepreneurs aren't so great at the first level, which is like your physical well-being. And then your second level you can address is the emotional well-being and then your, your mental well-being. And we tend to be hyper-focused on the mental in this culture, especially Western culture, even with like, you should do meditations. You should do mindset training. You should do read all these books all the time. It's just like head, 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 head. And then every once in a while we'll dip into the heart of like when you have a bad relationship or something goes awry with a client or you have to fire someone or whatever. But we might, and there's a few that are really tenacious about doing their workout every day. But a lot of, a lot of people can get by with just kind of half power there. But if you actually bring full power to that, physical, not just in your workout, but, um, energetically, like, uh, being grounded that powers up the other two of your emotions and your mind. So we always work very holistically and, um, yeah, it's a very, very pervasive issue <laughs> across yeah. all people. I, I just like the way you explain it. Yeah, I just like the way you explain it because a lot of people will hear sort of like they could see it written down sort of what you do and then take for granted that you're making it really applicable to everyday life. It's not it's not what most would consider new age or woo woo or what have you because these are ancient practices, right? Listen, I've I remember waking up struggling going to a Starbucks. Meanwhile, I see a group of uh, of people who are like 80 and closing and still stretching and I can't even put my arms behind my back anymore. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, no, Qigong is real. Qigong yes. is real. You know? And then I took martial arts and realized how much of that, 
like especially like certain stances and how it strengthens certain muscle, uh, small muscle tissues that really increase the energy output, the force output, right? So there's force and power and you really gain power from being able to take care of your body that way. So if anybody's ever taken, and I mean, Jason was in the military, he knows, you, you know, you, when you start combat training and like you, if you get injured, forget about it. It doesn't matter how good your technique is, right? It doesn't work. And so taking care of your body and man, uh, who nobody knows more than somebody who has to carry 20 pound, 40 pound bags across a mountain hike, just to prove that you're going to be able to survive something treacherous like that. So yeah, that's why I love anytime there's crossover with uh, athletes, uh, people in the military or martial artists, because those same things definitely qualify and carry over uh, as skills in the bag for entrepreneurship. And I just wanted to make sure that was highlighted and understood. So with that said, I only have uh, one remaining question, which is the grand finale. But before I go there, I'm going to, I'm going to check in with Jason. Roll it out. man. Let's do it. I mean, wow. This conversation flew by and I feel like there's yeah. still so much more to do, you know, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> what I will ask is if you could have invited anybody uh, at all, like, and I'm talking about anybody, who would you have loved to have had here today based on what we talked about and why? It's a toss up between Gandhi and Dalai Lama. Yeah. Okay. Because of what they've endured and the stand that they took for the world, you know, nonviolently, but also peacefully because world peace ain't going to happen without inner peace. And I think both of them can speak highly to that. Right on. And so I see how the work you're doing correlates to if you can get the highest performers in society to develop inner peace, how does that create a chain reaction? Right? I'm beginning to see like the higher level of what you're saying right on for me. I'm just glad we met. Uh, I, I want to let Jason turn it over, like close us out. Well, you know, the thing is, is we live in a, it, it's kind of an angry world, right? And well, it isn't kind of an angry world. <laughs> it just it just is an angry world, right? Have you checked I mean, Twitter I think, today? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think we all see it, right? And it's like, you know, somebody has to take that torch and figure out how to like bring all the inflammation down, right? Because right now I think we're at like an all-time high of you know a very giant muscle pull. <laughs> so, so it's like, we need people Charlie like horse. you. Yeah. That's just like a world is in a Charlie horse. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> and, you know, we need people like you to be able to fix it. Now, is that possible? Well, I think it's possible to affect what you can, right? You know, affect what you can for sure. Because uh, it's really hard to make 20 more of you, right? So, and uh, well, if we could, the world would be a better place if we could make a couple hundred more Annas. <laughs> right? I only know of one so far. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there you <laughs> go. Um, but in all that being said, thank you for doing what you're doing. It's an important mission you're on. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for you know, uh, taking a little bit of time out of your schedule, busy schedule of your own to come here and impart some knowledge in your story on us and our audience. Welcome. My pleasure. Awesome. Right on. Cheers. Cheers. 
guys for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.